This is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. Hello, and welcome to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa DeLay, and today we have the privilege of having Ms. Nikki Grimes on, the poet and much-awarded writer. She has received the 2020 ALAN Award for Outstanding Contributions to Young Adult Literature. Her distinguished works include the much-honored books Garvey's Choice, ALA Notable Book, Southwest Sunrise, Coretta Scott King Award winner, Bronx Masquerade, five Coretta Scott King Author Honor Books, Pritz and Siebert Honor Winner, Ordinary Hazards, and many others. It's a long list. <laughs> Thank you so much, Nikki, for coming on the program and sharing this book, Glory in the Margin, Sunday Poems. Thank you for inviting me. What I noticed is something that your pastor said on the back matter of the book, and I thought it could launch us into a little discussion prior to diving into the book, about your role at the Madison Street Church in Riverside, California. Uh, Reverend Jeffrey Wright says, Nikki Grimes is my big sister in the faith and the poet laureate of Madison Street Church. Sunday in and Sunday out, with a ruckus love for Jesus and a quiet intimacy with the English language, she humbly accepts the invitation and takes the holy scalpel of God's word to our small church community. She combines the truth and grace of scripture with a surgical use of spirit-led words that cut away our pretensions, cauterize our fears, and call our souls to hope. Her poems consistently conspire to make me a better preacher, a better pastor, and a better person. That is beautifully said. And I was thinking, here you are, a poet laureate of this church, and that is something for for whatever reason I've never heard of before. And I keep thinking to myself, why doesn't every church have a poet laureate? And how did you get into this (laughs) role? And, And tell me more. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't exist. Um, mm. But I've always enjoyed um, doing poetry whenever I've had an opportunity to in worship, but I only got a chance to do that at, at holidays. Christmas and Easter basically is, is when the doors usually open for anyone other than a singer to bring art into worship in church in general. And I got really spoiled when I lived in Sweden. I was involved with the church that was completely open to that idea. And so I was writing um, sketches and plays and reading poetry um, as part of worship on a regular basis. Mm. And so when I contemplated coming back stateside, one thing I was looking for um, were churches that would offer those opportunities. And I had a lot of people come through who were from California and they said, oh, there's a lot going on with arts and the churches in California, you need to check it out. And I'm like, my ears were attentive to that. And so most people think, oh, you went to California because of the weather. No, I wasn't even thinking about the weather. It was, <laughs> it was about this, this opportunity to um, bring my art into worship, into the church environment. So I went to my pastor, uh, to, to this pastor one Sunday. Uh, and I said, you know, I, I love doing poetry and it's great doing it for holidays, but I'd really like to do it every Sunday in connection with the service, with the sermon. Would that be possible? And he said, sure, go for it. 
Ah, oh, beautiful. I started doing it and initially I would do it, I would work on the piece by midweek so that he would have several days to look at it, give feedback, ask questions, you know, if there was mm. something that concerned him. And after about three months, and he never did, but after about three months, he said, you know, I trust you theologically. I don't need to, to see this. You know, I can see it. I can hear the poem every Sunday with everyone else. Mm. And it'll be a surprise. Wow. And I said, well, <laughs> you don't need to tell me that twice. <laughs> and so I, I began to do it. And it was a, a bit of a stretch for the congregation who wasn't mm. that sort of thing. Mm. And, you know, they didn't know how they were going to respond. But within a short period of time, they were so spoiled that when I started to travel doing speaking engagements and whatnot, and I wasn't available on Sundays, and there was no poem, they were like, well, well where, where's the poem? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. You made them hungry. Yeah, I started looking for other poets um, within a congregation who I could bring alongside to to help fill those spaces and we've been doing it ever since well how long has it been then i don't know seven eight years maybe oh goodness well this poem book has just a collection of a hundred so you really had to whittle down what you wanted for this book yeah oh yeah right so it's set up uh for people who haven't seen it yet it's set up from january to january and maybe you can explain you do take each poem from a piece of scripture that is decided ahead of time. Is that right? Yes. Well, because the poems I wrote, I, I asked the pastor for only two things, the title of a sermon and the scripture oh. that he's basing it on. Mm. And based on those two things, I write that poem. I just ask God to give me whatever interpretation he has for me. I ask for a nugget that he wants me to share with the congregation. Because, of course, there's so many ways to interpret every scripture. There are always many takeaways from any given verse yeah. or series of verses. And so, you know, there are a lot of different directions to go in. So I just, I rely on God to point me to something specific, one solid nugget that I can share. And I write the poem then around that. I'll read a little bit from the preface, what you write in here ahead of the poetry uh, just a little piece so people can get kind of a sense of what's happening. You write, as a person of faith with a reverence for the Holy Word of God, I also understand that God welcomes, even invites, the honest questions of his children. And so I come to the Word with an open heart, bringing my questions with me. As I climb into the skins of the men and women I encounter in Scripture, I try to look at the world through their eyes, asking the hard questions of God that they might have asked, seeking the same solace, wisdom, inspiration, and guidance that they must have sought. Of course, I am bringing my 21st century experiences and sensibilities along for the ride, and so I also look for connections between ancient scripture and the daily realities of my own lived experiences. That means I'm sometimes referencing daily headlines and happenstances alongside the words and experiences of Abram, Sarai, Saul and David, Mary and Martha, Paul and Luke. And as I do so, I ask God to guide me to shine light on those nuggets of truth he would have me share with his people. 
The Sabbath is his after all. The pulpit is the place for his Shekinah glory, not mine. Bathing this work in prayer keeps me clear on that point. Now, after years of doing this work, I've selected a hundred of these poems to share with you. I've arranged them in a 13-month cycle, moving from January to January. 98 of the hundred were prompted by specific scriptures, which are referenced at each poem's end. I love the way January is both an ending and a beginning, and so I chose to use poems from that month to bookend this collection. Here you will find poems appropriate for high days on the church calendar, such as Lent, Easter, Pentecost, Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, as well as American holidays like Independence Day, Labor Day, and Thanksgiving. You'll even find an Earth Day poem within these pages because no one has a greater responsibility to care for the earth than the people of God. No matter the topic, though, the focal point is always the word of the Lord. These poems were originally designed for the pulpit. However, they are also suitable for devotions, dramatic readings, and as part of choral performances. When strung together on a specific theme, they also work well for readers' theater presentations, but feel free to simply enjoy them as the poems they are. That's really helpful for people getting this poetry. They can use these in their own church settings if they want or as part of something else. So you actually are giving people a way to in a sense, bring poetry straight out of the box, even if they don't have a poet laureate. Exactly. And hopefully, eventually they will. <laughs> yeah, that's really beautiful. Some, some churches have a lot of liturgy, and maybe there isn't room for that, but there are so many places where there's just um, a dearth of, of art, really, in, in terms of other forms. There might be scripture reading, but it's not really anything that's coming out of the hearts of the people there necessarily. So, And even in the place where they, they have liturgy, that doesn't mean room can't be made for, for a poem occasionally to mm, enrich yeah. that liturgy. Yeah, that's so true. And, and maybe, you know, especially if you're speaking to something in the moment, some uh, happenstance that's happened in the community or in the nation. Exactly. It could be particularly powerful and, and speak to that moment in a way that other things out of the box might not be able to. Okay. Is there any particular poem of these hundred that holds a special value for you that you would like to explain or read? Well, you're talking about things written in the moment, and I immediately thought about the poem titled Ben Bow Now, which I wrote during the... Um, sort of the height of the Black Lives Matter um, demonstrations and all that was going on in the nation at that time. That's the one I was going to ask you to read. Oh. <laughs> First, <laughs> we're on the same page with that. That's beautiful. Here, poem meets prayer. We are exceedingly comfortable with posturing and self-defense that masquerade as apology. But what is needed in this moment is unmixed confession of our nation's sin, deep and indefensible. Now I lay me down to sleep, must make way for something more muscular, sackcloth and ashes, prayer and fasting, naked prostration before the Lord. Daniel understood radical repentance begins with this 
unvarnished profession. You are righteous, Lord, and we are not. Father, please heal our nation. Cleanse our stubborn hearts. Show each of us what part to play. Broken as Judah and Jerusalem, we cry and come bending our will toward the good God dreams for us still, no matter our sin, no matter what skin we're in. It's beautiful. The reference for that is Daniel 9, 1 through 19. Mm-hmm. And the part that gets me thinking very deeply is the unmixed confession mm. part that we don't make excuses for ourselves when when we are forebearers have done wrong that we gloss over it and not really deeply lament deeply confess and of course among among each other now in our daily foibles mistakes and sins mm-hmm. these poems have enough space to let us linger on on those thoughts maybe more deeply than other things. Yeah. Did that take a while to put together? Did it did it come through in one chunk? How did it how did it piece together? Oh well, I, I don't have a lot of time. I mean, I, yeah. I I'm writing these week to week, so yeah. <laughs> um, right. I I just set aside one, one day a week to work on these. Wow. And um, like I said, there's you know it's attended by prayer, so yeah. That always changes the time frame. God's not bound by time. Mm. That's our problem. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So when we ask him to, we can extend the time as long as we need him to, mm. to do what he, he wants us to do. So, Right. Now, there was another one that I was hoping. It's 125 for October, and it's a, it's a short one based from Psalm 34, 1 through 8. And... One of the beautiful things I think a poet laureate could offer is a place for all the uncomfortable feelings we might not necessarily feel like we can have in front of other people maybe, or or that maybe we have to put a good face forward or something like that, where we can't feel the despair and the brokenness that we actually feel sometimes is the the feeling I sense people have in church sometimes that they feel they have to be put together or something. And, and poetry makes room for all of the uncomfortable, um, dismal feelings. And would you mind reading the one who can spell despair? Sure. The heartbeat of need pulsates in the street. We hear it from the safety of our windows. The poor, the sick, the disenfranchised, the neighbor who is lonely. They might cry out for help if only they knew who to call. The Lord waits in the wings, invisible to the naked eye, but you and I can see him. He holds the bowl of answers, of blessing in his pierced hands. Shall we tell them? Shall we shout it out? Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. The despairing among us are desperate for reminders. 
Thank you. Do you sense as you collected these, did you see particular themes coming to the surface that you wanted to accentuate or anything like that? Is there, is there anything that kept drawing your eye back? I essentially was looking for poems that were sort of captured in the moment mm. that connected with what was going on in the world. Yeah. Um, because for myself, a lot of the way I process things is by writing poetry. And I certainly have written more um, in general in the last two years ever since the shutdown than I had previously for quite some time because I needed a way to process what was happening. Mm. Um, And what was wonderful about it, because I would write poems and I would post them on my social media accounts and, and people began to tell me that in essence, my poems were doing for them what they were doing for me. They were helping them process what was going on. And that was, you know, that was a big bonus. So I kind of was looking a little bit for that sense as I chose these pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Things that would just, connect in that way. And so um, I love Marvel and, you know, the, all the heroes, and superheroes. And, mm-hmm. and so I sort of had that on my mind. And I was watching Marvel films through, through this whole period. Yeah. I love Thor so much. And Wonder <laughs> Woman. Oh, my God. And so one Sunday I wrote real versus real, R-E-E-L versus R-E-A-L. Yes, yes. At first glance, the human imagination seems boundless. Wonder Woman and Thor charge across our vision. Mozart, Salvador Dali, and Shakespeare make us gasp. Da Vinci taught the Wright brothers to dream of flight we have since superseded. But in truth, our imagination is stunted. We could never conjure a God whose waves buoy us, whose words refresh us, whose spirit satisfies our deepest thirst. He is our rock, yet we swim in his mercy. He redeems us from the river of doubt and death. He drowns us in love and drenches us in hope drawn from the well of his own being. All this in the midst of life's pain and affliction. However much the darkness encroaches, keep your imaginary heroes. They've got nothing on our God. It's mm, beautiful. Yes. So as you were uh, a young child or even a teenager, would you also be resorting to poetry to think your thoughts out more clearly? That's how I started off writing in the first place. I mean, mm-hmm. reading and writing as, as a young person, those were my survival tools. Mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about writing as a profession until probably late middle school, I began to think in those terms. Up till then, I was writing to survive. It was how I processed things. It was how I got through the day. Yeah. And it was great because 
an angry palm would not send me to the principal's office. Yes. <laughs> I could scream and shout <laughs> and punch the paper with my pen, but it was not going to get me in trouble. Right. <laughs> came really handy. Yes. Well, just like all the Psalms that are those imprecatory Psalms are like, dash my enemy's teeth against the exactly. rocks. <laughs> exactly. Get it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So that's interesting. So you really did have, it was kind of brain to pen for quite a long time as you, that is how you process through. Yeah. As you're doing it, it's communal though. It has become communal. It's like you're saying, you're putting a few things out there online and people are going, yeah, me too. I also, you're, you're saying my story too. Exactly. That is such a ministry because not everybody, obviously, the number of writers out there is a tinier portion. You're finally putting words to stuff that people don't have any words for yet. Mm. What a ministry that is. It, it's going to come naturally to you, but to so many people, that does not come naturally at all. And then finally, they have a container of some kind to put that in. Well, naturally doesn't necessarily mean easy, though. I wrestle. Oh. Mm -hmm. These are things I wrestle with. Mm -hmm. But I do it because I need to get them out of me. Mm -hmm. You know, these things yeah. that are just weighing on my heart. And, you know, I otherwise would spend my days crying all day long sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and so instead of that, I just, I wrestle to get the ideas out, to get the thoughts out, to get the feelings out. Yeah. Uh, and the page is where I put them. Mm -hmm. That's my container. Is there anything that you've included in these hundred that speak to some of your most personal struggles, some of your most, um, not personal in, in a secret way, but it, in a striving and wrestling kind of way? I, I don't know that there's a single one that doesn't. In my <laughs> okay, <way>. yes. <laughs> I did notice the one personal epistle 862 where it's dear self, you know, even though you're going to speak communally, you're still saying dear self. That's, that's powerful. Ah, dear self. Remember virtue lives on the other side of redemption through the door of the word in all its fullness. Enter in to discover strength, to withstand every temptation, to find refreshment at each battle's end. And yes, there are many. Know, use, and rely upon Holy Scripture to learn discernment and to wisely divine the secret strategies of the enemy. Even in our weakness, he is no match for those who cling to the one true Logos. Still, our adversary is wily. He will twist the Father's word if we're not careful, if we don't have the truth tattooed on our hearts like our wonderful counselor. The enemy can only pick God's words apart if we don't know it, if we don't own the word walking. For ourselves. Ooh. I mean, like David, we have to constantly remind ourselves of these things, <laughs> remind our souls when they're down and, you know, uh, 
despairing that God is still there and God is still good and God loves us and you know we have everything we need in him but mm. it's easy in the midst of of the darkness to forget mm. and to listen to the whispers of of the enemy who who would dissuade us and tell us there is no hope mm. that last stanza the enemy can only pick god's words apart if we don't know it if we don't own the word walking capital two capital w's word walking for ourselves. Could you elaborate on word walking capital like that? That's Christ himself. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the word walking. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, as long as we stay within him, we're good. Yeah. I don't know if it's supposed to be a double or triple entendre, but the word walking uh, it's presence with Jesus, but the word of God in our hearts walking as we're mm -hmm. walking through the world. I'm thinking of all these different layers here, and um, maybe it's just my mind just rattling on. I don't know. But that is a powerful kind of word picture for me on a few levels where I'm thinking Jesus is the word walking with me and in my life of faith. And mm -hmm. Jesus was the word walking when Jesus was on the earth walking with his exactly. disciples. Exactly. And if I'm mindful, if I'm mindful that the word is walking with me right now in this moment of joy or despair or temptation or evil, all the stronger I'll feel. Exactly. It's all of those things. It's very rich stuff. The first two, the first two in the it was like a double punch. It was like a power punch. His and purge. Um, I thought went really nicely together. And uh, if you wouldn't mind reading those sort of, whether back to back or um, one, and then we can speak about it and then the other. But the very first two in the book in January were pretty amazing, speaking about the Father. And for anybody who is listening to this at the moment, the the corresponding scriptures are 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9, and then for the second poem called Purge, the scripture is Romans 15, 4 through 13, and Matthew 3, 1 through 12. His, the Father is unerringly faithful to those who are his, a belonging not secured by shackles of iron that can be broken. No, this belonging is sealed by the blood and life surrendered of a son, his a fierce bond no sin or foul weather can untether. Beyond blood brothers, blood sisters, kin, our souls commingled for eternity, we are his. Beloved children to whom he gives grace abundant, healing, light, the right to call him daddy, to crawl up on his knee, or rest against the chest of the divine. Love is the only sense we can make of it. He is yours. He is mine. All because he is faithful, pouring out rivers of favor, enriching speech, knowledge, and spiritual gifts, doling out daily bread, compassion, comfort, and strength as needed, as promised until the end. 
God has been, is, and will be. Fierce, faithful one, sure provider, fierce protector, holy father, gentle mother, peerless friend. Peel back the layers of his huge heart and find it ever beating for we who are called his. Whew. That's that's incredible. Every time we truly enter into the truth of that and, and own it, mm-hmm. it's a buoy, it's a boost. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it settles us. Whatever's going on in your life, when you realize whose you are, yes. There's just the peace that just washes over you. Mm. Yeah, we're really found in the Father. Yeah. And things get, we get a better perspective once that happens. Mm-hmm. For sure. Thank you. And then purge. So often in the gathering gloom, hope is the song we sing, both melody and lyric. His name is Dayspring whom we glorify. Call him hope personified. And where would we be without him? Isaiah told it well. The world was ever darkness till he came. The darkness threatens still until he comes again. In the meantime, in the in-between time, we follow the counsel of the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. We purge the closets of our hearts, discard old resentments unrelinquished, get rid of old hurts unforgiven, confess our own stubborn sin, whatever it takes to make room for God's radiance to pour in where it's needed. In order for, for God to, to pour into us, we have to empty the vessel of ourselves, you know, the things that are getting in the way. He's always ready to pour into us, but we're not always ready to receive because we just keep all the skunk in there. And we have to purge, we have to clean, we have to create that space in order to receive what God really has for us. That radiance, that light, that goodness. That he planned for us, that he created for us, that he longs for us to have. But there has to be a clean space for him to do that. Yeah, the part where you say, purge the closets of our hearts, discard old resentments, relinquished, get rid of old hurts unforgiven, confess our, our own stubborn sin, is that part that takes up the room that won't make enough room for what God has for us. Mm-hmm. And mind you, we can't do that on our own. We need him to help us do it. Yeah. But we have to be willing to do it and ask him to do it in order for that work to happen. Yeah. Well, do you see that the poet, is your role a truth teller, a prophet? I think the poet, the the job of the poet has always been that. Mm -hmm. To be the truth teller, to speak what is true. Yeah. 
without apology. Yeah. It comes through a different door, it seems, than the preacher might do or the scripture reading might do, right? For sure. Yeah, it's, I guess that's what I find so beautiful about poetry. It sneaks in through the window or it comes through the other doors or something and catches us unaware. Well, that's what's so valuable about, about art in general. Mm -hmm. I mean, because everyone hears differently, receives things differently. And so, you know, one mode of, uh, of sharing is never sufficient for everyone in the congregation because everyone is different and, and receives things in a different way. And so, there, you know, there are some people who the sermon is all they need. There are other people who they have to hear the poem or see the piece of art or, you know, it's, it's the song that speaks to them. Um, there are always these different levels um, and different, yeah, perspectives um, that, that speak to us. Um, one isn't better than another. They're just different. And they hit people at different places. Mm. I suppose there's different people in the body. There's different people in the body. There's different modalities for the spirit to work. Exactly. That's part of the beautifulness of the unity, but not uniformity, right? The, mm -hmm. Yes. And then in Madison, we talk a lot about multi-voice worship, mm. multi-voice ministry. Yeah. It's bringing all the different elements um, together. So besides art and music and poetry, scripture reading, am I leaving anything out that you can think of? Drama. Oh, yes. And dance, maybe? Dance. Is dance in there? All of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's so many. I think sometimes they, some things get left to the side. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, especially maybe it's Western, uh, Western mindset that that we're mostly heads walking around from room to room or something. Yes. <laughs> if we forget, oh, we have sensations. We can feel, we can taste, we can smell. Exactly. There's so much else. You know, cooking is a spiritual experience in my book. <laughs> well, this has been such a delight. I'll maybe have you read 171, Message from the Father to End, but I want to make sure that you can tell my listeners where to find you or point them to your work in, in other ways as well. Well, you can certainly find me at my website, NikkiGrimes.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'll put it in the show notes anyway. Instagram, it's uh, Poetry Nikki. Mm -hmm. I'm fairly easy to find. I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki is omnipresent. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Not quite, but close. <laughs> and this last poem is... Message from the Father. The secret's out. The kingdom of God is here, with all authority given to rebuke evil, restore good, promote peace. Yes, the time is here for spiritual triage, for family members ailing from the cancer of depression, for marriages bleeding on the side of the road. The enemy is intent on gnawing our joy like a bone. We must become that good Samaritan. Sweet greetings and holy kisses are not enough. 
We must perform the stuff of mercy, of deep prayer. We must come alongside, offer the shelter of our love. Oh, Holy Father, move us from our complacency. Let us not be spectators of hurt and misery. Breathe on us a spirit of unity. Convict us so that we come to be your healing hands right now. Thank you so much. This has been such a blessing and a delight. Thank you so much for your work and for sharing your time with us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.